15 years old, I re- accepted Jesus Christ for the first time through the Calvary Chapel churches. Uh, my mom's here, she knows. Uh, we didn't go to church at that time as a family. And I just started learning about Jesus. And all of a sudden, things changed for me personally. I started loving people, really loving them, like wanting to care for them. And I wasn't, I don't think, over the top, but I started just caring. And then I changed more. I started wanting people to experience Christ. I would invite them to come to church, come to youth group, come on a trip with me. Uh, Just started getting engaged in serving more. And I got an opportunity to serve in high school. It was a a big moment for me. And I ended up serving all over the country for a couple years, my junior year, volunteer work. And it was the place where I discovered who I am and what God was going to call me to at a very early age. And folks, it's not unusual. When you start serving, when you start serving and really kind of put all the chips on the table and start saying, okay, I'm ready to dive into this, most people that do that can identify a day when they said, that's when I was committed to service and I experienced something personally that words cannot describe. And maybe it was the first time someone led someone in a prayer, uh, a a child in the children's ministry. Or maybe it's the time when uh, you saw someone place their faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. Or maybe it's the time you got to be a part of someone going into the mission field for the first time. I had that moment, and I felt like I was starting to understand who I am and what God was calling me to. Have you ever asked that question of yourself? Who am I, and what is God uniquely calling me to? One of my favorite films uh, captures the 1926 British athlete, Eric Liddell, uh, who was a very um, upright Christian man who was unwilling to race on Sunday. Can you imagine that kind of gut? Unwilling to race on Sunday. And so one of his teammates said, hey, I've already, I've already got a gold. Why don't you run the 400? <laughs> Last minute. He'd not trained for the 400. Uh, He'd run it before, but never trained for it. They put him in the outside lane, which is the toughest lane to win in. And uh, he not only won, he he broke an Olympic record. And this guy is captured by the film director. And you can actually see the original race on YouTube. There's a a small portion of it. But this athlete is captured in the film saying something that I think really will help us today answer the question, who has God made us to be and what is he calling us to do on his behalf? That question, I think Lydell answers in just a little phrase I want to set us up for this morning. Here's the film. It's not as authentic as the actual race, but you can see it, 1926 Olympic Games, Paris. says in the old book, he that honors me, I will honor. Good luck, Jackson Schultz.
So where does the power come from to see the race to its end from within? Lydell is still celebrated in Britain as one of the uh, most gifted athletes with incredible conviction that ever lived. In fact, one, the guy who won the 100 meters in the 50s was British, first Brit to win the 100 meters in years. Uh, no one had won it since Lydell uh, was set up to win it, set up, to, expected to win in 26 and the guy said, uh, hey, I give, I, I, this race is in honor of Eric Lydell, who, uh, who bowed out of the 100 uh, because of his convictions of not running on Sundays and then won the 400. Uh, just an amazing athlete uh, who actually ran with uh, really poor form and uh, yet ran with incredible passion. And he says in that clip, if you didn't miss it, he says this to his sister who wanted him to go to the mission airy field and not spend time with the Olympics. Uh, he says, Jenny, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And the question I have for you today is, who did God make you to be? And what do you do that makes you feel his pleasure? Who did God make you to be? And what do you do where you feel and experience his pleasure? Where there's this intimacy between you and him. It's this relationship between you and him. When you do it, it brings you pleasure. What is it? I think this question's important to answer because you're going to face uh, you're going to face seasons in your life where you're burnt out. You wanna you wanna clock out. <laughs> I saw a movie recently. Some guy out in the middle of a trailer out in, the, in a trailer park out in the middle of the desert. I thought, wow, I can see how that looks really attractive sometimes. Uh, just to want to go away and get away. You need more fuel, more passion. Where do you get it? It comes from within. It comes from doing something where it gives you fuel. It gives you God's uh, intimacy as you're doing it. What is it for you? I think you need it because you're going to need fuel. I think to get better at whatever you do uh, in your profession, you're going to have to be intentional about certain disciplines that are hard. It's uphill to get better. And you're going to need God's spirit to be present in you so you're willing to do what you need to do to get better at whatever you do. In a marriage and family, I think it's critical that you're doing what you want to do during the week so that when you come home, people get to enjoy the benefit of a happy dad, the benefit of a happy mom. You want to be doing what it is that brings you and God pleasure, both of you. 
I want to talk to you about a few ways to know that you're getting there. I want to talk to you about a few ways that you can kind of figure out who you are and a few ways for you to understand perhaps what it is that he's called you to do on his behalf, how you can start there. The first is this, your relationship with God is going to drive your personal knowledge of who you are. It's about knowing Jesus. Yesterday, I was at a uh, birthday party for a one-year-old. I happened to run into a, a junior in high school here at Indricum, and I, I've never really engaged in conversation with her. I know her parents, and I just said, what's up? And she, she's a, she said, uh, well, I'm, I'm not doing soccer this year, um, no sports. I'm spending the year on growing in my relationship with God and just serving in the community. And I was shocked. I did not expect this from a junior in high school. I'm like, what? (laughs) Uh, And she quit running. I was like, no, you didn't do that. I sat down with her and she said, no, I just, I'm going to spend the year reading the Bible, working hard on my academics and serving in the community. I was like, wow, tell me about this. What are you doing? And she, she told me she's pursuing God the ju- her junior year of high school, all in, reading the Bible daily. And uh, this is exactly where you learn who you are. It's in the word. It's time with Jesus. Jesus said this, uh, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Um, apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't catch anything this morning, catch this. Christianity is about a relationship with God that is designed to bear much fruit in your life. Much fruit. Christianity is about a relationship with God that he's set up for us to bear much fruit in our life. Patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, discipline, love, courage, all those characteristics that make you Uh, who God's designed you to be. And like this student, part of understanding who God's made you to be is to pursue him personally, a personal relationship with God through Jesus. What do you do to do that? Here's, Here's what you do. You carve out, we argue, just 15 minutes a day of sitting down, uh, having a little quiet time, which I know for moms is scarce and hard to find. (laughs) Uh, But maybe sitting down (laughs) is possible. But sitting down and having 15 minutes of time where maybe you listen to some praise music that you you put on your uh, Pandora uh, or your MP3 player, and then five minutes to spend some time just giving thanks to God every day. Five minutes of gratitude, and then five minutes of thinking about a scripture, opening your Bible and just looking at a passage. And when you do this, it will start to help you understand who you are. God's spirit will start to clarify, this is what I've called you to do. This is who you are. Jesus also says in that passage that obeying him, when the spirit tells you, hey, this is how I want you to obey me. This is what I want you to do. When you obey him, he continues to communicate to you who you are. Moreover, he says, when you love people like I love them, I'll tell you who I am you'll know your identity more and more. Now, some of you might be like, okay, what's Jesus going to do? Say, hey, you're, you're, uh, you're an A-type personality. You need to stop fishing and do what Peter did. No. 
what's going to happen is that he's going, his spirit is going to convey to you uh, personally the kind of shape that you have. That's what we've been talking about this month. What your spiritual gifts are, S. Uh, what your heart is, H. What your abilities are, A. What your personality type is, P. And, which, and what and how your experiences, E, are designed to help you uh, know who you are and do what God's called you to do on his behalf. But it begins with a personal relationship with God. And sometimes some of the stuff in our life clogs that relationship. It gets in the way. Uh, sometimes it's selfishness. Uh, sometimes it's disobedience, dishonoring God, not caring, cynicism, <laughs> uh, just not caring whether or not God, what God thinks. And if that's you, you'll want to seize a moment today, maybe at the end of our services when we have communion, seize a moment and say, God, I have been disobedient. I have not been honoring you. I want to get things right. I want to remain in you. And if that's you, you're going to have a chance to do that. The kids are going to cheer you on at the end of service as well. Remain in him, number one. That's going to move you towards knowing, God, who have you made me to be and what have you called me to do on your behalf? Secondly, it's not only knowing him. This is the first time I've been distracted by the children right now. Doesn't happen very often, but it's happening today. You, you want to begin by knowing him. Uh, yeah, you got to know him, man. <laughs> Secondly, oh, thank you, Jesus. Secondly, you've got to believe that he has a dream for you that you yourself have not dreamed before. He has a dream and a vision for you that you yourself haven't imagined. Uh, I understand that I have dreams, stuff I want to do. I really believe that God has dreams for us that we haven't imagined. Classic scripture written by one of Jesus' most prolific writers, in fact, the most prolif prolific writer, Paul, says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we would ask or think, according to his power that is at work within us. God has a vision for your life that's beyond what you imagine. He has a vision for what he wants to do through you that is more significant than you would imagine. You might be tempted to think, wow, this is kind of lofty. Who's going to do something greater than, a, than an Eric Lydell or a Billy Graham or a Mother Teresa. It's easy to get kind of caught up in the grandiose, you know, the one that's on YouTube and has 50,000 likes. Let me tell you a little anecdote about Eric Lydell that most people don't realize. As soon as he won that 400-meter race, he went to the chapel, local chapel there in Paris, and uh, shared a devotion. Then he went back to seminary, and when he got out of seminary in, uh, in England— he went to the missionary field in, while working with the inland Chinese missionaries. He just kind of disappeared. Occasionally, you'd see him surface because area athletic associations would ask him if he'd come out of retirement and run, and he would, uh, and usually win. But he just disappeared, and guess what he did? He invested his life 
into a small group of men. He wrote his own discipleship group material, which I think is available. He just kind of disappeared off the grid. And about five years ago, I was at a global leadership conference uh, satellite service here at uh, Bayside. The leading economist from China uh, was speaking and speaking to our audience and telling us uh, where China and how China has been learning to develop their own capitalistic business practices. And they said that they've been watching American capitalism and they believe that the root for Chinese, for the root for American success in capitalism was actually Christian business ethics. Okay? I know we don't do perfect at that, but that's what he said. This guy, PhD, leading economist in China five years ago, speaking globally out of Chicago. Then he said this. He said, uh, at that point, they were second. They had a second. Their GDP was second to the U.S. They, he threatened. He said, we're catching you. And uh, they did that December. But he said something. He said, we want to take a moment now and thank you for sending missionaries. Thank you for sending Hudson Taylor. And then he said, we want to thank Britain for sending Eric Liddell. So he had influence that went beyond the track, but it was in just total anonymity. (laughs) Don't. Imagine that the dreams God's given you, because they're not grandiose or because you don't become famous or because they're not, they don't increase your net worth, in God's economy, what you bring in quality is way more important than how the world would would measure your quantity. This morning in the 9 o'clock service, Diane brought David. David has been paralyzed since, I think, age four from a a drunk driving accident. He was a passenger. He's been paralyzed his whole life. He's probably in his mid-40s. She gave me permission to share this this morning. I went to her this morning because another family in our church is looking for in-home assisted living care. And I said, can you help us find someone like you for someone else in our congregation? She said, they're hard to find. I said, why? She said, because the county pays us $10.80 an hour to provide in-home assisted living. And so a lot of folks, they just, they can't afford to do the job. And she looked at me and she said, I got to tell you, I am good with people. I've been caring for David for 12 years. She brings him almost every Sunday here to the nine o'clock service. And uh, she said, I don't do this for the money. I can't imagine not doing this for David. It's my passion. I love doing it. Diane would say, God has made me somebody who loves to serve. And when I serve David, I feel his pleasure. That's what she would say. That's what she would say. God's dream for her was that when David experienced this unnecessary injustice through a drunk driving accident as a four-year-old and would be paralyzed the rest of his life, God knew that there was going to be someone out there like Diane that would step up and he would give a holy passion to her to serve him each and every day, each and every day. So don't imagine that Diane's not going to get a a lot of hits on YouTube. No one's going to pay a lot of attention to her long term. But when we're in glory someday, 
and I see her. And I notice that the square footage on her house is 20 times larger than mine. (laughs) I'm going to be okay with that. (laughs) Because she's doing something that's directly meeting the needs of Jesus and showing compassion. How do we know who God's made us to be and what he's calling us to do? Uh, The first is to uh, really remain in him, stay close to him, pursue him. Uh, The second is to realize he's got a dream for you. You haven't dreamed, you haven't imagined. I think the real classic story there is Joseph in Genesis 37 through 50. God had a dream for Joseph he never imagined. He never imagined he would be overseeing Egypt and helping provide food for his own uh, community. Never imagined that. And it took a long time to get there, but it happened. Thirdly, how do you get to where you start not just knowing who you are, you get to where you're starting to do what brings you and God pleasure? How do you get there? And uh, I want to use this illustration from sports. It's called finding your sweet spot. Um, I, I probably know it better from baseball, but you know with the right swing, uh, if you can do if you, to hit a ball right here, you've got a it's an easy swing with the right leverage and hip movement. You can knock a ball over the fence. At least they say you can. Uh, <laughs> it's the sweet spot of a bat. <laughs> you hit it right here. Uh, you're not, it's not, unless you're bunting, it's not going very far. If the ball hits right here, you decide you don't ever want to face a pitcher again because your hands are broken. Uh, I don't play a lot of tennis, but there's a sweet spot with the tennis racket that if you hit the ball here, that, that ball is going to potentially go very fast. And if you have a large enough driver at your tee shot, you stand a higher likelihood of hitting that ball where it needs to be hit and it going straight. I won't model my golf swing. It's not worth your time. But what is worth your time is discovering the supernatural sweet spot God has given you. That is worth your time. We've talked about your shape in the last three weeks. This is week four. This is bringing this to a close. We've talked about your supernatural giftedness by God. I told you earlier, when I became a Christian, I became a people lover. I ended up getting involved in leadership at a very young age, and I started evangelizing, and uh, for some reason, I fell in love with the Bible. For real. I mean, like, love it. Like in college, I would get up on Saturday mornings, five in the morning, to read the Word. I loved it and study it. And I still love it. That was God's gift to me. God's given you a gift. Wouldn't you like to know what it is? Wouldn't you like to know what is very unique about who you are? Like Diane, very unique about who you are. This week, uh, I was watching the Dallas and uh, Seattle game. Seattle Seahawks, we got any fans here? Any Dallas fans? Okay, a little more action here in the second service. It's good. Seattle is way over tilted in the first service. <clears throat> on Thursday night, my wife was really into the game. And it's my Friday night. Honestly, I was a little jealous. And I uh, wanted her attention, and we, we were, she was watching on her computer. And uh, I came to realize later that night why the game was so important to her. And it's because I saw it on Facebook. One of the players for the Dallas Cowboys, Vince Maley, posted on Facebook. Uh, Vince is the, a wide receiver. 
posted on Facebook the jersey of Eric Pinkins. And uh, he said, so fun to play one of my teammates. And it kind of clicked for me. I know that Mrs. Matthews, my wife, in the summer of these boys, uh, after they graduated from high school, Melissa was helping both of them uh, get some required classes through Brigham Young University, BYU, so that they could go on to college. (laughs) And uh, I asked her, did you know that they'd be in the NFL? And she said, kind (laughs) of. I asked her, do I have NFL ability? She said, no. But I know that it was very important for her to see the fruit of her work by spending time with students, volunteer, during the summer that went on to play each other last Thursday night. I think Mrs. Matthews might say, God made me to teach. And when I'm helping students become all that God intended them to be, I feel his pleasure. When when you know who you are and you're doing what God called you to do, there's a pleasure that goes with that that is the sweetness of life. And I want you to get to experience it. So let's talk for a few minutes about your shape. Over the last few weeks, we've given you several supernatural giftedness that you may possess. Let me just walk through them. You may have an unusual ability to love people. We call you a shepherd. (laughs) You just care about people. When you wake up in the morning, you think about people. You may not be that kind of person. You may be more of an administrative type person. You wake up in the morning and you think about numbers. (laughs) You have a gift of administration and systems. You may have a ridiculous gift in the area of recruiting others. It's just a dynamic piece of you. You're a recruiter. You're a sales type person. You may have uh, a unique ability Uh, to turn someone back that's walking away from the Lord. That happens all the time. You don't care if they reject you. You go after them. You leave the 99 and go after the one. That's you. You're willing to ask the hard questions and kind of stay in that vulnerable moment with them. You may have other gifts. You may have a gift of knowledge. I tell you someone I talked about in the 9 o'clock service that has a ridiculous gift of knowledge. It's Dan Matson-Bose. Dan is back there on the audiovisual team. Actually, he's not. He's sitting down, which is unusual. He's normally working. Dan has just a gift of knowledge. He teaches a men's Bible study on Friday mornings. It is, I see some one of his attendees. He is supernaturally gifted, I think, in understanding and teaching the word. I think Dan would say, uh, I, God has made me to understand the word. And when I get to teach men the Bible, I feel his pleasure. Uh, you may have a gift of leadership. That means taking people from one spot from here to there. That may be the way God's wired you. You may have a gift of encouragement. When people are around you, you add value to them. They feel better. (laughs) Others of you don't add value to people. Uh, But you're an encourager. Uh, You may be someone that just has a gift of generosity. You love to give anytime. You'll give away whatever you have to help somebody out. And it's supernatural. The reason you're this way is because the spirit of Jesus Christ lives in you and you use it. You may have a gift of just wanting to, uh, wanting to use your hands to create music. <laughs> uh, you know, I got to tell you, today Melissa mentioned about the brevity of life. I want to take a moment and just honor our musician, our uh, Russ Merritt, who got the weekend off. 
Russ lost his beloved mother, Doris, just two weekends ago. And I got to tell you, it's been so sweet. Doris has attended services probably for over five years. Her life was really spared two years ago. And uh, she passed away two weeks ago yesterday uh, at Kaiser Morse. And we're just, we're so grateful for Russ and his mother uh, and her life and his willingness to come here and bring what he brings uh, to our volunteer worship ministry here on Sunday mornings. It's what he brings, and he does a great job of it on drums. He's got a gift with his hands. Some of you have gifts of artistry. What we want to challenge you to do is take those gifts and activate them. Take those gifts and put them into use here at Adventure and or in our community. Let me tell you about some of the dreams adventurers have that I've heard them say. We have principals, vice principals, and teachers and administrative support that attend adventure that would say, my dream is to see the culture change on the campus that I serve here in Sacramento. They're here. They're, they're, they have a vision to see that happen. We have adventurers here who want to see adventure send more missionaries, more Cheyenne Ledbetters to Cambodia, more Sarah uh, Allens to Haiti. They have a passion for that, and they support missions to help make that happen. We have adventurers who have a passion to ensure that the families that attend our church have the financial and counseling help they need it when they need it. And so we have a generous fund available here for our own family to serve them. We have adventurers who are passionate, honestly, about someday us being able to buy this building or own a building. Here's how I know that. Because every month they give to the building fund, whoever they are. And I'm not trying to tell them not to. It's just we're not asking. We accept. Uh, it's, they're so generous. It's so sweet. We have adventurers here who will do whatever it takes to help a couple that's thinking about a divorce. They'll do whatever it takes to make certain that that couple sees all the options, carefully walks through their decision to understand what's at stake for their family for generations here. And they'll step in to do whatever it takes to rescue a marriage. It happens frequently around here. Those are just some of the visions. I know others of you have, have other dreams and visions, but the way to get there is to, is to find your sweet spot, your sweet spot spiritually, your special gift, because when... Your sweet spot aligns with who God made you to be. When you can say, God made me, whatever, fast, who you are, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. When you get in that, that's your sweet spot. You start making incredible impacts for your family, for your community. I'm going to put this bat down so I don't look like I'm a security threat. Two more pieces to discovering who you are. And who's God's calling you to be? Two more. The fourth, I think, is the hardest. If you're going to get better at whatever you do, it's uphill. It's uphill. You've got to be willing to do what Solomon said. That means seek advice. Listen to the advice of others, Solomon said. A wise person listens. C.S. Lewis, prolific author of the last century, wrote that the only thing better than being wise is surrounding yourself with wise people. In Renee Brown's book, Daring Greatly, she talks about the importance of being vulnerable enough to let people that are more gifted at you or wiser than you around you to help you get better. 
whether it's your marriage and family life, whether it's your uh, professional development, whatever it is, be vulnerable enough to let others speak into you and get you better. Don't be that person that doesn't need anybody's advice. Okay? Don't need that. Don't need that. Talk to this. Don't go there. Okay? Seek counsel. Get around talented people. And by the way, they're in our church. They're in our church. <laughs> there are people in every field that are, that are high capacity here you can learn from. If, you, if you're interested, come to me and you're looking for someone. I'll tell you who they are. Lastly, don't be afraid to test drive whatever it is you want to do. We, last week, we made an announcement about our needs to grow the children's ministry volunteer base at the 9 o'clock service. Here's why. Our church is growing. We averaged last month right at 400, okay, plus or minus two or three. We don't have the exact count yet. We don't know if it included the two turkey that actually frequent our property. But we're growing, okay? And we need more space in the 9 o'clock service for parents to bring in their kids. Right now, we're having to combine all the uh, young children with the older children in one group because we don't have enough adults to split them up. Maybe that's, according to, maybe that's something you would consider serving in once a month. Don, I know you live in Texas. We would expect you to fly out here once a month and help us out. <laughs> it is an opportunity uh, to, uh, to help make space at the 9 o'clock service. Nine works for a lot of nap times for parents. And so if you can give uh, one Sunday a month, you're going to be lightening the load for other families and allowing us to continue to grow in our 9 o'clock service, which was well attended even at this on this Labor Day weekend. Uh, we also have space in our student ministry, space for you to serve on Sunday nights. We need two women who will work between uh, in the 6 o'clock to 7.30 time frame and we need three guys midweek. Uh, and we're going to be advertising this at our men's retreat as well coming up in a couple weeks, uh, which we have uh, four spots left if you're interested. Uh, but if you're interested in serving in the children's ministry or the student ministry on your way out, find that People Matter banner and just give it a test drive. You don't have to commit to it. Just give it a test drive. I remember when I was a youth pastor, it's what, how I first started out of college, and uh, I didn't have any music for our youth group. It was a small youth group when I first started of about 14 kids. And I was dumber than a doorknob. And I started and uh, I didn't have any music, so I started learning the guitar. And I was really bad at the guitar. I can still sing one song, play one song, because I practiced it so many times. But I was bad. And what was so cool is I was bad enough that other musicians started coming to the service. They're like, wow, if he can do this, we can. So you might decide, hey, I'm going to try the children's ministry out. You may fail. That's okay. Others will surface as a result of your failure. It's okay, okay? <laughs> you may try the student ministry and it not work out at all. That's okay. When people see how bad you are, they're going to be like, oh, we've got to help. That's what happened to me. My student ministry grew from 14 to averaging 100 and sometimes up to 200 at a small church just because I was willing to take a tester run. Don't be afraid to test something out. We need three more families to help with uh, communion and offering on Sundays. We got four last weekend, three more, and we get to the zone. I love this, uh, this Jeff Gordon video clip that one, uh, one critic said actually wasn't real, thought this was fake. The video clip I'm going to show you here in a minute is a test drive 
that Jeff Gordon requested of a Chevy dealer. And the Chevy dealer went on the right of his life, not realizing he was with a NASCAR driver. And what I think is a Chevy Camaro, I don't know. I'm not that good. Uh, But another critic said, that's not real. That was fully a total farce. And you can actually find the other video where Jeff Gordon dressed like a taxi driver and picked up this critic and showed him it wasn't a farce. This is for real. This is a test drive. And in advance, I want to thank... uh, my audio team for deleting all the cussing that's in this. Go ahead. You are liable for any damages to the vehicle, so please stop the car. Slow, or at least slow down. Slow down. Slow down. You can't go through that gate. Mike, stop. 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 So this guy from Pepsi, this guy, Curtis, this friend of the producer said, there's no way that was totally fake. They set him up. You can go to this on YouTube and just do Jeff Gordon, taxi driver, and you'll see it in advance. There is cussing all over this. So uh, if you're looking for clean, uh, you're not going to get it, but it's stinking hilarious. Uh, Take a test drive. It's okay to move around a little bit. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'd love to have, I'd love to be a part of uh, developing other speakers on Sunday mornings right here. Not just me, others from our congregation. I'd love to see us, uh, I have a vision of us uh, (laughs) uh, developing great children's ministry staff that if we get the chance to start other churches, we get to send out. Uh, I have a vision of seeing youth workers, great youth workers, working in our own ministry and getting to help start other youth ministries. Um, I have a vision of us having a community of worship artists. Uh, Right now, we're in the search for a staff member here that can gather a lot of worship artists and in the future, us be able to send them off to help other churches. Uh, Don't be afraid to test drive here and try something that, hey, it's okay if it doesn't fit really well. Here's what I imagine. I imagine this week, you being able to say, God, you made me a teacher. And when I get to serve others, I feel your pleasure. God, you made me a stay-at-home mom, the greatest job in the world. And when I'm caring for my kids, I feel your pleasure. God, you made me a, an engineer. Yet when I get a chance to use your gifts at work, I feel your pleasure. God, you made me a sales rep. And when I get to work with all my team, I feel your pleasure. God, you made me. And when I, I feel your pleasure. Who has God made you to be? And what is he calling you to do on his behalf? Let's pray. Who have you made us to be, Father? What are you calling us to do for you? If you want the answer to that question, pray it right from where you're seated. God, who have you made me to be? 
And what do you want me to do on your behalf? Pray it. God, who have you made me to be? And what do you want me to do on your behalf? And if you're here and you've never made a decision to make God, God's son, the leader of your life, and you're ready to today, right from where you're seated, I just challenge you to say, Jesus, I'm ready to make you the leader of my life. I'm ready to get to know you better. I accept your sacrifice for my sins. If that's your prayer today, I want to acknowledge your decision <laughs> right from where you're seated. Just raise your hand and say, yeah, today. Today's the day. I'm, I'm ready to make Jesus the leader. Raise your hand if that's you today. Anyone? God, who have you made us to be? And what are you calling us to do for your pleasure? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, on your way out, uh, when you exit on your right, first door on your right, there's a prayer room there. If you're going through a season where you're lost, you need to know who you are and what you're called to do, stop by there. Ask someone to pray for you there. Uh, they're gifted at, at prayer. Jeremy? Jeremy?